Welcome to the XY Advisor Podcast, a global community of financial advisors sharing and learning with one another to drive the positive evolution of financial advice. To get involved, go to xyadvisor.com or simply download the XY Advisor app. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Astute Wheel. Provide valuable goals-based advice using simple-to-use online client data collection tools, have values and goals discussions, conduct live modeling, produce file notes, strategy papers, SOAs, and automate compliance. Back to the XY Advisor podcast. I'm Fraser Jack, and we are up to episode two of our six-part series, where we're really looking into the process around, uh, you know, client values and goals and goals-based financial planning, and just working out what are the different aspects. Uh, in the last episode, we covered off on some of the the ideas around the pre-engagement and branding of your business with regards to how do we get clients to notice you and understand um, what it is that you do. Uh, in this episode, we really want to get into the idea of how to engage with your clients. Once the clients have approached you or you've uh, you had some sort of contact with them in some way, um, and really just how are you going to start working with your clients. So we're going to get into a bit more practical type stuff uh, in that. And we welcome back to this episode, Naomi. G'day, Naomi. Hi, Fraser. Thanks for having me on again. Fantastic. And uh, tell us about uh, your business around how you then, uh, you know, once once clients engage, um, you know, the, what's what's your process? Do you sort of do a pre-call or how do you um, how do you first talk to your client or a new client? Thanks, Fraser. Um, look, I think it depends on how the client has come to us. Um, but in general, we might, yeah, we'll have a bit of a, a, a pre-engagement conversation, just a very short one, just to get a sense of who that person is, where they're at, and whether or not we will be able to help them because we're not all things to all people. We're rather specific in, in who we uh, want to be working with. Uh, and then once we get an idea of uh, that, we then uh, have a more a formal meeting with that client and before that meeting actually happens which really is the conversations um, around the goals and and um, understanding their situation we will send to them some homework we'll get them to complete uh, some information for us just around you know what their situation is yeah do you call that homework like I mean I mean I'm assuming the, the pre the first meeting you sort of sort of talk about them, a little bit about them, their situation, do a bit of triage, uh, let them know that you're able to help them if not. And then, and then you, they agree, obviously they might, you might talk about your, you know, how you're structured or your fees or whatever it might be. And then they, and then they sort of, you know, say, yes, let's go to the next level. And then you send them some homework and how do they, how do they react to that? Well, hopefully positively. <laughs> um, I do, <laughs> depending on the client, uh, will depend on whether I actually use the term homework, but I tend to like that phrase because people can relate to it, you know, if they've got kids that are, you know, coming home from school with stuff to do. Um, yeah, they it, they acknowledge that it's something that is their responsibility that they have to do before they, they meet with me. Um, I don't use that term all the time, but depending on the client, the younger clients, I tend to, to use that with um, and it, it goes down well because then you know they're like oh yeah I've got to get this done for Naomi before we meet do you think this um, sets up a, like a professional relationship as well it sort of sets the tone for um, um, you know 
this is a professional relationship. It's not just a you know a friendly chat. I guess maybe. I hope so. Yeah, I, I think that you know as much as you want to have a friendly conversation and have a friendship with uh, your clients, it is very much a professional relationship in that I'm the expert and I, I'm here to guide you and advise you uh, and show you the path that you're perhaps struggling to find for on your own. Um, so yeah, for for them having to do something in a in a quite a formal way because it's a structured. Um, set of questions and it's a very structured way of providing information to us uh, definitely puts us in that position of, of a professional relationship. Yep. And so you're sending out the um, the questions and then you're also getting them to you know go and go and find all their old super statements and do all that sort of stuff, I guess? Definitely. Um, and look, I, I did this the other day with somebody and she had already provided me with a background. So I knew there was a fair amount of information there. And I sent her the questionnaire saying, it shouldn't take you more than 20, 30 minutes. Uh, and when we then when we got into the conversation around her situation, she's like, you know, Naomi, it actually took me quite a bit longer <laughs> to put all that information to you because I had to go and look for stuff. And I apologized to her. I said, look, if you had it all with you, it would take 20 to 30 minutes. But I acknowledge that if you do need to search for things, it will take a, a little bit longer to complete. Yeah. And that's kind of the, that's also kind of why people need you, right? Because they, it's not all in one place. Yeah, and I think that, yeah, once we get all that information and all that data, it suddenly becomes all in one place. And it's a really good storehouse for that information. And because we're in an ongoing relationship, we're gathering that stuff on an, on an annual basis. And so it, there's always a place where they can now go to say, well, Naomi's got all my information. If I'm ever missing anything, I can go there. Um, it's a similar process, I think, in terms of data collection that any mortgage broker would ask for as well. Yep. Yep. Fair enough. So, so how, how long do you think that would take most of your clients? I know you sort of mentioned 30 minutes, but is that, is that realistic? Look, I think it depends on the clients. For some, yes, you know, we're, we're not uh, – and, and because it doesn't have to be specific, it can just be estimates. So if people have an idea already of their information, they're like, oh, yeah, I've got about 200 grand in my super fund or whatever it might be. Um, you know, it, it can be as simple as that. So, you know, depending on how detail-oriented the client is, yeah, if they want to put down their member number and if they want to give the exact dollar figure to where their things are at at the moment, then yes, it will take longer and it, you know, probably about an hour if you really wanted to go into all your banking and put down your bank account details. But generally, most people don't in the first instance want to offer up that level of detail to you until there's a significant level of trust in the relationship. So most people are much broader around answering those questions and you'll find that it will take 30 minutes. All right. From a practical point of view, are you doing that or you got your admin staff doing it? It's an email that goes out with a link to a program and then the uh, client then will just tap in and, and fill in all their details. So it takes me um, two minutes, if that, to, to get that email out. Uh, and I, I personalize sure. it. So uh, it's my preference to do that. But yeah, I, I could easily pass that to one other team to, to send out to the client. No, I think it makes sense based on the conversation you've just had. And then after that, what do you do with the information when you get it back? What process is in your business where you sit down and review that before the client comes in? 
Well, yeah, it's just up to the advisor, I think, to have a look through that information, get a feel for you know, where things are at for them uh, before that initial conversation with the client, um, which really is an ex- exploration of, of the goals and objectives that they have more so. Because once we've got the data, um, we don't necessarily need to talk about, you know, well, how much is your house worth and how much have you got in? We've got that information. So the f- initial conversation really is all about the client what where are they at and where do they want to be and we're asking much more exploratory goal uh, goal questions and objective questions fantastic and in the next episode we will get right into that we will uh, tackle the idea of what you're doing during that discovery meeting process uh so we will see you in uh, the next uh, episode of this uh this series thanks fraser thanks for joining me again craig buntain welcome back Thanks, Fraser. Good to see you again. <laughs> Thank you. Now, we're talking about uh, the idea um, around the concept of engaging clients in this particular episode. We're looking at how, uh, you know, working with clients, engaging them once once they've come in the door, essentially, and, and, and we've started to get to know them and we're really starting to um, look at a process of, well, maybe they've, maybe you've done the triage call. Actually, let's go back a little step because you mentioned in the last episode that we did a triage call. Tell me about that triage call, that conversation. Yeah, so we have effectively a, a very loose script for a triage call, which is all about um, why they've made the call to a financial planner or the appointment, if they've made an appointment directly from an online link or something, and what uh, what they're seeking. And effectively, quite often, the first answer you get for that is product-related. Um, the thing that we then do is uh, try to find out the actual reasoning behind why they want that super product or whatever it is that they've they've said and the and the idea is we're trying to uh, start extrapolating their goals and objectives and what what they're actually looking for you know what a great result would be for them in that first call and to see whether that matches up with the services that we provide um, uh, to to our clients yep that's a really interesting way of looking at it because you're right. If you ask that question, what are you what are you looking for? Often product comes out because I think a lot of people think that they need to start there. Yeah, that's right. I mean, that's the that's generally what's in the news um, when it comes to financial planning, and you know the statements that they see that come through, they're all all product related. There's there's nothing that talks about objectives or goals or where you want to be or how you want to live in future. Yeah, I'm sure this is the bane of uh, all doctors' existence, right? You know, people walking in saying, "I've got a cold. I need, I need blah blah blah." Yeah. Um, or I've got this. I need, I need that. And they go, "Hang on a minute. Let's go back." Yeah, that's right. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Start uh, start looking into the symptoms. So how how do you then? Uh, so you've done the triage call. You probably talk about your yourself and that you know how you do things and 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 um, you know what your structure might be. And then after that, what's your process? Yeah, well, so in the the latter part of that triage call, once we've decided that we want them to be a client, is we tell them the process um, from here on, and it's kind of a um, as we spoke about in the the last episode, it's a this is how we do things around here uh, conversation, and we explain to them that we're going to send them out some online links. Um, we shoot them effectively uh, two questionnaires. And those questionnaires are designed basically to get enough information so that you can hold a a very good first meeting without having to spend that first meeting just collecting information. So the idea being is the first questionnaire is kind of their view on their overall situation. Um, It's such a good questionnaire. I believe it's been uh, 
replicated recently. Uh, um, we've got uh, a second questionnaire in there, which is kind of a mini fact find, and it has quite a number of fields, so they can fill in almost a full fact find from that questionnaire. But depending on how that conversation goes in the triage call as to what they're actually after, we um, direct them as to the most important uh, fields to put in. I mean, occasionally you get clients who don't know you from a bar of soap, so they're reluctant to put everything in a in a document prior to even having a meeting with you. Um, so we just tell them what what the important things are, and that you know we really need to know this so we can um, have a a quality first meeting. Yep. Now this is a really important point that uh, you raise here around the concept of what goes on in a client's mind when they're sent a link to you know put a whole lot of personal, private, confidential information in. Um, yep. Uh, when you've, you've just had really had a triage phone call with them, how do you, you know, you set that up? Uh, you know, what do you say to, to clients that might, you might think of, sound a bit hesitant to, to, to go on and, and fill it out? Or, or let's say that they haven't filled it out immediately or taken some time? Yeah, look, uh, well, our process is fill it out or you don't get an appointment effectively. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we we do explain that kind of in a softly, softly approach, but we do explain that all the data is private and confidential. So that they've got our privacy um, details on it. The the link that we send them has our FSG and our privacy um, information on it. So we just tell them that we're, you know, bound to keep it um secret by law uh, and that, you know, it won't go any further than, than us. But, you know, if we're to wait until 20 minutes into a meeting when we've established a really good rapport, which I'm trying to do over that triage call as well, um, so that first meeting we can kind of get down to business. You know, if we, if we wait 20 minutes before they decide to give us any information, we've just wasted a fair bit of both of our times. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah. So so it's really important that they, they fill it out, they get to it um uh, so just going back over that with the client, then um, uh, if they don't, if they're not filling it out or they're not doing it in time, do you just ring them up and say, "Hey, are you, are you stuck on something?" Or what? yes, exactly. So we have a uh, part of our process is forty-eight hours out from the appointment if they haven't, um, or two business days um, uh, if they haven't completed it, uh, we do give them a call with a reminder. Uh, that they need to complete it and just offer them the opportunity to either complete it within the next day or reschedule their appointment. Yeah, because it's a really interesting one. Uh, you know, as, as humans, we all have stuff to do, but uh, sometimes sometimes we, we do wait till the end of the deadline and it sort that's of exactly okay, right. now, now <laughs> it's the priority. So that's a really good, that's a really interesting part of the process, right? Uh, that phone call that says, hey, uh, we might have to reschedule the meeting because you haven't done this then prompts them to go, right, I actually need to go and fill that out. That's right. I mean, they get an email a week out from the meeting because we tend to make our appointments about two weeks away. Yep. So they get an email one week later as a reminder and then they get the phone call two business days. Yeah. And then uh, and then what, what do you do then? You go in and have a look at the information and start formulating what you think might be the... Yeah, that's exactly right. So uh, the the next step is effectively looking at the client and seeing what sort of strategies I think I'm going to be able to implement on the basis of the information they've given us. But the key to it is uh, one of the detailed aspects um, in the fact find that we're sending them to that we ask them to pay the most attention to is the objectives tab. Uh, and so that's their goal. So the idea is looking at 
at that um, what's called the five-minute health check, which is their gauge on where they are in the six areas of advice that we use, and then um, determining where they think they need help. Um, now, we've got some of that written down from the triage call, but it's interesting to have a look at the results that come out of that compared to the triage call. And, and then also looking at their information that they've filled in, including the goals, to find out whether we agree. You know, are the areas that they think they're strong in, are they actually strong in them or uh, do they need some reviewing there as well? Um, and particularly dependent on the goals. So sometimes the uh, filling in the goals... They do generally after the five-minute health check, and once they start filling in the goals, they start thinking of extra things, and then you could probably actually think if you sent them the five-minute health check, like another 20 minutes later, it, it might be a completely different score. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's probably uh, probably a different conversation. That, that's why this is, I think, is a starting conversation for your discovery meeting as opposed to the, uh, the you know, the the be all and end all because they'll, they'll come into the discovery meeting which we'll get to in the next episode uh, and uh, start spouting out all the things that they didn't quite complete on the form. That, yeah, that's exactly right. So you can you can also tell what you're going to be dealing with by what's missing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fantastic, Craig. Thanks for catching up today. Uh, we will catch you in the next episode. Okay, excellent. Thanks, Fraser. Welcome back to the show, Kate Americano. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks, Fraser. Lovely to be back. Thank you for joining us in this part uh, part two of the series when we start talking about actually engaging clients and how we're having these these conversations with them in the process itself. Uh, yeah. Tell us about what you've seen that works really well with some with some different practices that you've seen working with, uh, in this space. How they first speak to the client, what they do, what their process is. Yeah. So in terms of introducing, I guess the the values. Um, based advice to the client. Um, it's about having that conversation and positioning it in terms of uh, the business and the value to them. So, and just explaining to them that um, we take care of obviously your assets, but we also take care of you. And so, this is about understanding what's most important to you and to your family and being able to position your goals around that and then also be able to uh, make sure that all of the financial side and everything that is linked to the portfolios and everything is all linked and all congruent with that and in alignment. Um, that's how the advisors I've seen, that, you know, who are doing it really well is they're positioning it as know about me and my family and know about my assets as too and then linking them really well together. Yeah, so effectively taking taking the assets and the practical and tangible stuff, and then just saying, well, that's that's one part of the jigsaw puzzle, and the other part is the you you and your raw emotions and the way that you behave and your and your habits and all the things that are going to affect the financial and money side, um, but just uh, but just from a in, in, I guess an internal point of view. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. They they do so. It's understanding that emotional link between it for sure. Yep. And and uh, do, you, do you ever have people say to you, look, some people just don't want to do that? Um, so the clients that I'm coaching, no. So And this is probably something what I would say for the financial planners who are yet to embark on this journey of that values-based advice. It's quite, whilst it's been around a long time, there's not a lot that are, they're probably indirectly doing it, but they're, they're not actually doing a um, real values-based advice conversation. Um, I would say the majority, you know, like I was chatting to a licensee yesterday and just said, um, in terms of that values-based advice conversation and helping advisors have that and 
and doing a workshop for them and I said are they doing that and she said no we're we are still doing the goals-based advice side of it you know if we look at the history of where we come from and the you know from the product through to the advice to being strategic to goals-based advice and tracking um so this is just that really natural progression and moving on um it's a lovely complement to what they're already doing well um and the other thing fraser i would say is there's great, there's incredible tools that are um, kind of hitting the market around all the value-based advice and things like that, which is fabulous and really supportive of that. Um, but I'd say to the advisors, you do not need to be um, – you don't necessarily need to have all the tech and everything sorted out. You can absolutely um, – and you don't need to be a life coach. You do not need to be an NLP. You don't have to be a psychologist. You don't have to be a therapist. But what you do have to be, you have to care. You absolutely have to care. And you have to listen um, and you have to know know how to create a really safe space to hold the client in um, because when you are actually having the conversation around somebody's values, it is so personal to them and it's vulnerable. Um, and there's times I've run, you know, there's many times that clients will cry in those sessions um, because when you actually uncover that a client is in conflict with their values that are most dear to them, it creates that emotional response. So you just need to be able to hold the space and you don't have to fix it you just hold the space and let them become aware of it and that's where the real empowerment actually happens um i've even run workshops for financial planning practices um and beautiful you know brave uh, employees and financial planners have uh, gone through and shared their their values and um, even and even in that you know it was really emotional but what that actually does in terms of when your values are shared it builds trust and it builds collaboration and it also builds empathy and understanding so um, you much more patient and tolerant with the people around you and in your workforce so yeah that's a really interesting practical thing that uh, advisors can do is is to to do something like a values workshop with um with their employees and I want to get into that probably a bit more when we get into the next episode with regards yeah. to questioning but just yeah. for now also um uh, you know uh, what are planners doing with the practical um are they doing the triage meeting they're doing the phone call they're doing the um before before the um the the goals and values discovery meeting how are mm-hmm. they actually what's the messaging and the the practical solutions that people are beforehand yeah so in terms of that they're actually going through the process and part of that discovery meeting or if it's coming up to the uh, annual review like all the annual progress meetings so um, they're introducing it so there's because it's different though people who kind of go well what's this all about um, so they can introduce whether it's a new discovery meeting that's simple because it's just part of the process then um, and you can yeah, you can have it very simple. You can have just a two-pager with a values matrix and a value scorecard. Um, I personally would include the Wheel of Life because I find just those, if they just have those three key tools in their kit that they can roll out as part of their their pack that they send out, you know, when they're sending out their, oh, hey, this is our appointment and this is our review, look, all the review coming up. And by the way, can you update all your, you know, have your goals changed short, medium, long term and then and adding this thing in? Um, that's where I, I um, would absolutely have the advisors um, incorporating it into their process. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a very important part, setting the expectations early, getting something yeah. out there, you know, doing something that's replicable, rep, replicable, I should say, I can't speak properly, um, like a like a PDF or a, or a video or a soundbite or whatever it might be, just explaining yeah. what the uh, the new process is likely to be so that you're setting some expectations yeah. for the uh, clients coming in. Yeah. Probably, sorry, just one other point on that. If they do send it out in advance, what's really important is that they, if it's a couple, they need to complete them separately, right? Um, don't don't get the couple to complete them individually. They need to complete com- absolutely be separate in completing them. And then afterwards, they're more than welcome to share. But there's just incredible insight in that. There's um, you, you can see when a couple, if their values aren't aligned, that actually causes enormous stress. So as a financial planner, you can actually be able to just have a conversation around that. You know, like you're over here and you're over here. It's kind of not yep. necessarily heading to Splitsville, but like you're <laughs> going to be running into trouble. So like let's get back on the same page here. So it's a really, really easy way to have a great valuable conversation just by bringing awareness to it. No therapy required, just awareness. It's extremely valuable information from the advisor's point of view, but just how practically is, is this able to be done? Because, I mean, um, if, you, if you're if you sending them out something in advance and getting them to complete something, then it's very yeah. difficult, isn't it, to say, did you do this by yourself or with your, with a couple? Yeah, yeah. So, well, you'll be able to see because the values will either be, you know, 100% the same, which is not real. Like yep. even I've done my values on my husband. I was sitting in front of the football watching the roosters. <laughs> uh, I've done it for my 10-year-old son and my 12-year-old son, and I continue to do those annually, right, and review them. Um, so whilst we may share three of the same top five values, we won't ever have the same ones. And as you get an alignment with your values, they change each year. So um, otherwise the other option is, uh, if you have 10 minutes before the meeting, if your clients sit and wait 10 or 15 minutes before that meeting, I would give the, you know, here you go, here's your cup of tea and here's just uh, the values matrix and value scorecard that they can go through and complete their top and then you can actually have the conversation with it. You know, it, there's so many different ways that you yep. can incorporate it into the process. Fantastic. Thank you, Kate, for uh, joining in this part of the conversation. We look forward to catching you in the next episode. Thanks, Fraser. See you soon. Welcome back to this episode, Tim. We are talking all things around the concept of engaging your clients and that process that they go through, uh, that you put them through, essentially, once they start to engage your, your office. How are you going this week? I'm, I'm brilliant. Thank you. Thank you for showing up. Thank you for calling in again. It's been, it's amazing. Yeah, awesome. Uh, <laughs> Tell us about your process uh, in your business. Yeah, so when we um, hear from a client, I will always want to have a phone chat with them, um, probably just for 10 or 15 minutes max. And that's simply, I guess all I'm really trying to understand is probably the answer to one question is what has motivated them to seek advice and I think that alone you know, sets up the basis for what's going to come next because for anyone to track you down and step up to the plate and make a call or send you an email or log onto your website, there's got to be some some need there, something that's pressing them to do that. So I think you want to un- uncover that really quickly and start for, well, working out firstly can we solve that problem? Because if we can't, let's get that out on the table really quickly. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. So this is the this is the triage question. What yeah. what drove them? Because you're right, it is a it is an emotional decision that has to. There is 
there was plenty of things stopping them picking up the phone or reaching out uh, yeah. and there has to be enough motivation behind that. Well, well, I think generally what you'll find is there's something, is there's an underlying stress, anxiety or problem that's got to a point where they've said we need to sort this out. So before you, I always feel like before I go rambling on about all the great things we can do, let's actually hone in on that first thing. Because if we can get out on the table that we can solve that problem, I think that's the main thing people are looking for. And then we can go on to what other things we might be able to do. Yep. So that very that initial triage, you know, I call it a triage because I think of it, you know, like the old, uh, you know, the war wounds and, uh, you know, a mash episode from way back. Yeah. Uh, that there's a reference that most people won't understand. Um, is uh, is the scenario of just that? You know, what what's what is bleedingly obvious that needs to be addressed, and is there a time? Is it a time sensitive issue? Is it a redundancy that needs to be acted on? Is it the end of the financial yeah. year thing? Whatever, whatever it is, um, and if so, you know, obviously you can take care of that. But then after that, this is our process. Is that how you? Yeah. So this has been the interesting change in the last couple of years, and technology's probably helped us get there because if, even if I went back three or four years ago, we probably would have at the end of that 10 minutes, wanted to be finding an appointment time. Yep. I We now just have a uh, an email, a standard email that I, I tailor. I might just put a couple of personalised lines at the top about our call. Um, but then it just has some FAQs about how we structure our process plus uh, the Aspire planning approach to financial planning. And in there, that talks a lot about things like yeah, you know, living a a lot a life well lived and stuff like that, and what role financial financial element plays in that. So straight away they're getting the flavour of this is what these guys stand for. Um, this is how they what their process is, and then we've got a link to book a meeting. And um, through necessity, with all the compliance stuff that's been going on, we we've really had to stretch out meetings now and and leave less openings which in a weird way has worked in reverse, that people are going, there's not many vacancies, I better book. And we're finding that they're just so... That has really been a change for me because I think we would have really gone hard at getting that appointment. And now I think we're finding just by standing back and saying, you need to step up to the plate, make the appointment, read a little bit about us. They've put their toe in the water and put skin in the game and they're now committed to what's got to come next. This is really interesting. So there's two there's two points I want to unpack here. One is your diet, the structuring of your diary, uh, and the and the, but the first one before that is getting the information across. Uh, you mentioned it's a written in written text form. Have you ever done anything like a, a video or anything like that towards that, or has it just always been a, a text? Uh, always, or, or well, at this stage, it's an email. Yeah, yeah, and only because and- I wanted to personalise it. So um, I just found in that instance, I could push that email out pretty quickly to them with a couple of personalised lines about it was great to chat with your Fraser um, and hear about your need for this, this and this. Um, Here's a little bit about us. Here's how to book a meeting. Just for this initial thing, I would think that um, just, you know, someone said to me once, just get the appointment. So that's what we're really looking for is let's not make it over-engineer it Yep. Fraser's just had a chat. He's it's on his mind. Let's get him to log on and book an appointment this morning. We, and there's plenty of time for those discussions later. 
Yep. So you, if they jump on your calendar now, have, have you set this up in the calendar? Is it Calendly you use, or yeah. you another one? Yeah. Have you set this up inside there, where there's only a few appointments based on that initial appointment link, or is this something that you've set up in your diary? Diary. Yeah. So we, we only leave client facing times, x number of client facing times per week, at at the same times every week. Right. Okay. So inside of your, it's really got only one a day. I think one one day we allow two. Right. And the yeah. rest of the time you've got structured out for um internal and and and. Yep. Yeah, and then I might actually, with existing clients, choose to push someone into the through a conversation, a personal conversation. I say, well, I've got some time. I can put in the diary for you. But for yep. people that are coming through that that um, laneway of of Calendly automatically yep. Yep. we just left those few vacancies there oh and, fantastic okay and i think what really... it does start to show i mean if you're a new person it's like you know these people are busy they must be good yeah fantastic no they're very good it's, it's it does it and it also says that your time's important um so the next thing is so they if they make that calendar they make that appointment then uh Prior to, because obviously in the next episode we want to get to the idea of what you do in your discovery meeting. But is there, is there is there anything else that you do prior to them coming into that meeting, the discovery meeting? Yes. So we um, we send them a lot because we use a system called Astute Wheel, and they have links which allow you to gather data. So we then introduce the team once they make that meeting we've got another communication that's from um sarah in our team that says these are all the the links for you to input all your data come before you come into the meeting yeah and 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 because again this is another thing that's probably worked in our favor instead of just letting them say we can slot you in on wednesday um this is now probably a three-week waiting period maybe four They've got lots of time to input that data. So we, we actually, it has improved our data that we've got before they even come in. And um, uh, I'm thinking that some people would leave that to the last minute, no matter how much time you gave them. Uh, how are you finding, are you finding people that actually get doing it or um, there is some some moments where they, you know, mostly last they minute are. or they're no, not? They're, yeah, yeah, mostly they are. I mean, you, we can see when they put it in, obviously. Yeah. Um, you, I think you can get a real sense that's, that's the great part as well. So when you you get people that do it straight away, um, they're obviously really keen um, when they're or, and they're really organised. So yes. it starts in your own head thinking because we do price everything. We'll get to that later with with pricing it up, uh, pricing up the work. But I think you're already getting a sense of these people seem like people I want to deal with because they're organised. They're they've sent me their data on time. Um, they're going to be good to deal with. Versus, yep. they're already starting to show chinks in the armor. Yep. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fantastic, uh, Tim. Thanks for uh, letting us know your process. Uh, we'll uh, we'll end this episode here, but we will uh, catch you again in the next episode when we are talking all things around the discovery meeting. See you later. Welcome back to this episode, Michael. Thanks very much. How are you, Fraser? I'm very good. Thank you. Thank you for asking. Uh, now, in this episode, we're talking about uh, the ways that advisors are starting their advice process, uh, often um, often with, you know, a triage or a conversation meeting, um, and then uh, and then moving towards, you know, bringing, bringing clients in, uh, getting them towards that discovery meeting. Uh, what, what are you seeing out there? 
Um, I think the key thing for advisors and clients is just to make it easy for the client. So the simpler you can make it for the client and the least amount of time that you take out of their diary, the better. So, you know, if you think about a typical first meeting, and that's typically where things start, telephone call, first meeting, start with a blank fact find, put the client through the pain of watching you fill that in for 40 minutes. And at the end of the 40 minutes, what's in that document they knew before they walked in. So if you want to annoy a client, then do it that way. Um, from a client's perspective, if you make them realize that it's really important that they provide you with good information prior to a meeting because it's in their best interest, and the best interest is we don't burn through 40 minutes filling in a fact find in the meeting because you can fill in some stuff at home for us. And then secondly, if you do provide good information to me two or three days before, that means I can think about your situation and plan for the meeting so that when you do come in, we can hit the ground running and focus on what's valuable and important. So to do that, you've got to do a couple of things. So one is don't send them an email with a 50-page fact-find PDF because the chances of you getting that back are pretty remote. And the advisors that start using our tool tell us that they get one in 10 of those back if they're lucky. Um, so send them something that's different. Um, a video email, a five-minute health check, a mini fact find that's online and short that only takes 10 to 15 minutes. And if you position it to the client that this is really important that you do this before the meeting because it's in your best interest, they'll do it. And the second part is that if you set an appointment for Friday in two weeks' time and you get to Wednesday and they haven't filled it in, then it's a very simple conversation. It's call the client or one of your admin people call them and say, Bob, you must be really busy. <clears throat> you haven't had a chance to fill in those two questionnaires for me. Do you think you can do those tonight? And we'll still meet on Friday, whether that's face-to-face -face or, or through Zoom. Or would you prefer that we push the meeting back a week so that you can fill it in on the weekend? So the message to the client is fill it in or fill it in, but in a nice way. And um, quite a few, what we found is quite a few advisors started just sending it out and not making it too compulsory. And then they were surprised that they got four to six out of 10 back and going, wow, this actually works. Didn't think it would. I used to get one out of 10. I'm now getting five or six out of 10. Then they would say, okay, let's make sure the client does fill it in by um, chasing them up. And then some client or advisors have got to a point where it's, if you don't fill it in, I don't see you. And that becomes, I get rid of tire kickers. So if you can imagine what a client's going to be like if they won't spend five minutes filling in a health check and 15 minutes filling in about your questionnaire, what kind of client is that person going to be over the next five years? You might not want them. So that's that's what's working really well in the pre-engagement um, so that you can think about it, plan for the meeting, hit the ground running in the meeting. Yeah, if I just try that on from my, my point of view, you know, as a human being who, you know, gets emails to, 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 to complete forms or to sign something, um, I'm, I've gone really anti the uh, having to, I don't like printing anymore. I'm kind of like the anti printer guy and I, and people send me something to print. I'm like, I don't want to print it. Sorry. Can we just do something that's not a, not a fill something out type of thing? Um, when it comes to a, uh, a piece of paper. I know, I know I get them from the school all the time. And it's like, can you fill this out and sign up? Like, no, send me a DocuSign. Send me something that I can just like type in and, and, uh, and, and submit back to you. Yeah. And, you know, clients want to make sure it's secure, obviously. So it's got to have all the security around it. But, you know, in the old days, they used to fill in the ones that did, the one in 10 would fill in a PDF 
put it into the mail and mail it to you, which is hardly secure either. So, you know, I think all the bells and whistles and the security around these kind of things now, if they're done properly, are, are pretty good. Yeah, exactly right. Security is a big uh, uh, focus and passion of mine as well. And it's one of those things that um, uh, I've discovered over the last sort of uh, little while that email is very is not very secure when it comes to sending stuff back anyway. Uh, you know, like filling out a form and then sending it through email is, is not that smart. Yeah. And I think the other thing for advisors to be aware of is quite often advisors are detailed kind of people. That's why they're advisors. They like the numbers. They like getting into detail but they're not necessarily brilliant at having conversations with clients. So to have some tools like uh, what we call a, a feeling find, a five-minute financial health check, helps the client get in touch with their emotions and think emotionally about what their financial world looks like across the six areas of advice, and then to score it on a scale of one to four. I'm really concerned about this area through to I think I'm okay. So that is really useful for the client because they they may have been referred by an accountant, the accountant might have noticed that they don't have income protection uh, premiums that are deductible. They suggest they go and see the advisor. The client thinks the advisor is the insurance guy. They get a five-minute health check, realize that not only do they have issues in risk, but there's more to financial planning than just insurance. There's six areas of advice. They then realize that maybe their debt's not so great and their retirement's looking a bit dodgy. So they then have three sleepless nights and when they come into the meeting with a client, it's a different mind frame. It's not, what are you trying to sell me, uh, Mr. Advisor, Mr. Salesperson, Mr. Insurance Salesperson. It's, I've filled in this thing, I've got some issues, I need some help, how can you help me? And I've been happy to provide you with a, you know, what my income is and what my assets and liabilities are and that type of thing. So you've got all of that now. How do you solve some of these issues for me? It's a, it's a major change in that. And it makes it easy for the advisor because they don't have to ask those 30 feeling kind of questions. The client's done it. It's in plain English. And the advisor can then use that as an agenda. So this is all pre-meeting. And I think next week we're going to talk about um, what happens in the meeting? This is all pre-meeting, so that the advisor really understands this client well before they come in. Yeah, I think it's very important to, and, and I love the fact that you call it a feeling find. I think that's a great that's a great thing. I, I really like the idea of you know understanding where people are emotionally, because I think we do make decisions emotionally and we feel emotionally, and then we we justify it with financial decisions. And, and often as, a, as in, in financial advice, it's all around the financial side. I love the feeling fine. And, and the fact that um, the fact that you can then rate where they are in a feeling, this is what doctors do, right? When it comes to pain management, they say, how much pain are you in right now on a scale of one to 10 or one to something? And then they give you the, you know, they prescribe and they create some sort of a treatment plan. And then afterwards they, they ask the same question and then they understand if their treatment plan has actually solved uh, a feeling or an emotional problem. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, things change as well. So I think later in the series, we're going to talk about reviews, but to have a similar kind of document for every review is very helpful to an advisor because you may, and we've had this come up quite a few times with advisors where last year they did a very good job on getting the client's insurance sorted out. They've got all the insurances that they need and nothing's changed. Uh, they send out the review feeling fine, so the five-minute financial health check, and it comes back and the client is really concerned about their risk. Better to know that before the meeting than in the meeting. And so they can then prepare and say, you know, these are the four types of insurance. These are the amounts that we went through last year. Everything's in, in place. Um, 
why are you concerned? Well, my best friend died, no insurance, his wife's in a mess. We, I thought we better check this. You can knock that over in three minutes rather than, oh, let me just go through my file and find, find out what we did last year and whether that was enough insurance and start freaking out. Rather, you know, be on the front foot when the client comes in with perceived issues like that. Yep. I think uh, that's a really good comment. Just getting on the front foot is the, is the ultimate goal there. Uh, Michael, thanks so much for catching up in this episode. We look forward to catching you in the next episode when we discuss all things around the discovery meeting. Fantastic. See you then. 